Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Tune Machine. I'm Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome to the second part of the chart of the 4th of November, 1977. Um, we touched on two or three songs in this top 40, I think, last time around. But there's so much high-quality pop music in this chart. It is fucking brilliant. I mean, just look at number 32. The Commodores, Brick House. What fucking tune that, that is. What a tune. She's a brick House. House. Um, I like it when anyone sings like that, like the guy from Cameo. I mean, the guy yes. from Cameo is like the king of it, but yeah. they do it in Brick House. And yeah. also, one of my favourite... Increasingly, I always... When a good song comes on, or any song, mm. I always... like I'll say to my wife, oh, it's a good song, this. she goes, yeah, and I go, what's your favourite bit? Like you do about films or TV shows, but I increasingly yeah. find myself doing that about songs. And one of my favourite bits in a song ever... Yeah. Is um, uh, Earth, Wind and Fire, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, from Groove Tonight, where he goes, meow, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> for no reason. And that's also in yeah. the same, that's in the same sort of um, genre. Wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, same wheelhouse as this, like, brick, <laughs> and like, then Earth, Wind and Fire, meow, and fly. Like a 747, yow. And, uh, and of course, yeah, the guy from Cameo, he just does, he yeah. sings everything. That's right. around the world. Yeah. Uh, Brickhouse, yeah, brilliant tune. Um, I didn't get much higher than 32, I don't think. Well, that was the competition in the chart yeah. in the, those days. Yeah, You've that was got it. songs that are absolute fucking unbelievable stone cold all time classics yeah. all of which if someone said it to you you'd, you'd guess oh that got to number one didn't it and some of them can't even touch the top ten I mean fuck's sake it's unbelievable also, also down there just entering the charts this week it's Bonnie M with the inexplicable Belfast <laughs> <laughs> I don't know they this. wrote a song it's a song about the troubles in Northern no. Ireland <laughs> yeah and they were it German is. weren't they yeah, yeah. The, I'm just looking at that. It was, it was written by Drafi Deutscher, who mm. isn't a member of the band, but he was a songwriter, um, 
fucking hell. Oh, oh, I'm just on his Wikipedia page. Oh, there's an episode to be done just about Drafty Deutscher, I think. Uh, but he name. did write Belfast, but then 1967, he was convicted for public indecency oh, after God. he urinated from a balcony while drunk in plain view of a group of school children who watched him from street level. Oh, God, Drafty. <laughs> you had it all. And you then had you it had all. to piss and out you a window. Pissed it away off a balcony. Uh, some of Drafty Deutsch's albums, great titles. 1964, Shake Hands, Keep Smiling. <laughs> uh, Happy Rummel Music, he released in 1977 under the pseudonym Mr. Walkie Talkie. Um, any other good ones there? That's about it, really. But uh, Belfast, yeah, by Borny M. Um, the lyrics, it's not really that kind of specific. Uh, Belfast, 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 got to have a belief in, got to have a belief in all the people, because the people are leaving. Um, and the chorus sings, Belfast, Belfast, when the country rings the leaving bell, you're lost. Belfast, Belfast, when the hate you have for one another's past, you can try to tell the world the reason why. So it's a call for peace, sort of. It's kind of written by someone in his second language, Drafi Deutschler. Uh, I'm not sure he's got a full grasp of the situation in 1977. Well, listen, of, uh, you know, we we were good. What 20 years before the Good Friday Agreement here? Yeah, right. I, I mean, this is the first seed that was sown, perhaps. It might a young Tony Blair, um, yeah. John Major, Jerry yeah. Adams. Grooving I don't away. know Jerry Adams. I mean, I think Jerry Adams was very, what's the word, active in the Republican yeah. movement, probably in the yeah. late 70s. Uh, so whether or not yeah. he had time to listen to pop music, I don't know. I don't have time for pop music. I'm struggling against British oppression. <laughs> I only um, listen to rebel songs and nothing else. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. But, you know, I think anyone who tries, these things happen incrementally. So at the time, people might have laughed and said, you know, Boney M are not going to be able to achieve peace in Northern mm. Ireland. Not a chance. Mm. They're the last people who are going to do mm-hmm. it, right? But, you know, from small acorns, I think every everyone who tried, and even those who tried and failed over the years, in the end, what we got to was the Good Friday Agreement. And, of uh, course, it's been um, effectively torn up by Boris Johnson yeah. and his absurd Brexit deal. Yeah. I mean, you could call Belfast the snowball that led to the avalanche of peace, Yeah, I suppose. The Avalanche of Peace. Now, that would be a good song. That's a great title for a pop song. (laughs) We're all underneath the Avalanche of Peace. Yeah. But then you die, don't you? Apparently it's what McCartney's working title for Pipes of Peace (laughs) was Avalanche of Peace. I originally was going to call it Avalanche of Peace. But then someone at the record label pointed out that Avalanche is quite an oppressive kind of a thing to be involved in. <laughs> Most people die under one, so I changed. I changed it. So I thought that's awful because I'm not a big fan of people dying, especially in horrific acts of God like that. <laughs> um, uh, getting back to Drafi Deutscher before we move on, uh, Drafi Deutscher died after suffering from two strokes and a breakdown in 1999, uh, and finally died in 2006 of heart failure. So that's another good song title: Two Strokes and a Breakdown. 
hip hop classic That's more of a band from the late eighties. Two drugs yeah. and a breakdown. And Here they are, live in the studio, top of the pops. It's all the way from Los Angeles in America. It's two strokes and a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> With avalanche of peace. <laughs> <laughs> With heart failure. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Belfast. Um, yeah, just a few places down there. Daddy Cool by Darts. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we've touched on Darts previously. We've talked previously. about Darts on this show Haven't before. We? And then Hegarty. Because... My friend, Rory Hegarty, who is the Mm -hmm. stray man, the original stray man, used to claim at his school in Halifax that his uncle was, what's he called? Den Hegarty. Den Hegarty. And he he got too deep into the lie, do you remember? He got so deep into the lie about Den Hegarty that he he went back to a school reunion as an adult years later. And I think someone brought it up and said, oh, yeah, I remember you. Your uncle was Den Hegarty from Darts. And instead of just saying, nah, to be honest, that was just some childhood bullshit. He was too embarrassed and sort of had to go back to going along. Yeah. And how is he old Den now? Uh, He's fine. Yeah. And then you have to make up. What's he up to? Uh, what's he up to? Last I heard, he was working on a new album. <laughs> what? With darts? Yeah, I think so. Most of the old guys are still still active. Oh, oh wow. I'm, I'm an active mes- active member of the darts message board. I've got to go on there and tell them. There's a new album this is coming. A- the guys are going to be amazed. This is huge. This is a huge story in our world. Oh, uh, yeah. And what kind of stuff? Is it going to be like the old stuff? Uh, no, no. I think he said he was going to go in a more jazzy direction, sort of jazz fusion. <laughs> wow, God, that's a curveball. Yeah, it's just what he wants. It's just what he's been listening to over the last couple of decades. <laughs> he feels it's the true representation of himself. He feels it's all a doo-wop and the rockabilly was just a lie. <laughs> Fans I wonder what he's of doing now. Tune Machine. I don't know if there's people who just listen to Tune Machine and not any I'm of sure our other is. podcasts. Yeah, I'm sure there Get is. in touch with your lies about Den Hegarty. If you yeah. just make up, if you've got a good lie about Den mm-hmm. Hegarty, send it to us. Not a shit it's got, one. Not just sh- a shit one. A good semi-convincing lie about Den Hegarty. Send it to us at the usual email address: contact at tftimemachine.com. Den Hegarty now lives in Durham. No, he doesn't. He lives in Devon. Why did I say Durham? Wishful thinking. Den Hegarty now lives in Durham and works as a lecturer in psychology at Exeter Whoa. College. And with at the Exeter. Open University. Yeah, and with the Open University. So you don't need to go to Exeter College. You can be on the Open University. We've all got access to Den Hegarty's psychological knowledge. He also has fronted for an a cappella band called Slackapella. <laughs> Plus a 15-piece outfit called Soul Traders. That's a waste of time. No one's getting paid a decent amount when it's a 15-piece outfit. No. Uh, splitting the money 15 ways. Oh, no. Idiotic. And, I mean, it's uh, bad split- enough of us having to split it two ways. Exactly, yeah. Um, and he still sings with the doo-whoppers called the Metrotones. But he's not in Durham. Um, but Daddy Cool by Darts again fucking great song uh, when I think of Daddy Cool I can only think of the Boney M song Daddy Cool this is a different one mm. different completely different tune uh, got a number six eventually what else have we got anything else there that stands out at you Sam yeah I mean I just noticed the, one of my favourite Elvis Costello songs is watching the detectives yeah, uh, which is in there somewhere or other. 
Can't quite see where. Number 33, new entry. 33, new entry. I'm surprised it didn't go in higher. So this would have been one of his first singles, right? It was his first one, yeah. Was it? It was before Oliver's Army, was it? Okay, so that's why it went in relatively low. But I really like it. And what I like about this is it's got a... um, it's got a sort of a scar-like rhythm to it. Yeah. Which, and of course, he produced the Specials album, didn't he? Uh, he did a few years one. after this. Yeah. And and uh, I suppose at the time that was only just really coming into the charts, that sort of sound. And people might have thought, oh, this is going to be like a sort of a two-tone type of artist. But mm. he never really did that again, as far well, as I know. Was, not this an was expert. pre-two-tone. I mean, 77 was pre-two-tone, wasn't it? Yeah. So he was a trailblazer. Was, was but it's weird because you don't think of him doing any other songs like that. But his no. first song is very distinctively got a scar sound about it, I think. Well, he, yeah, he, he did that. Then he did I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea. And he did Pump yeah. It Up. And they were all different in different ways. And then Oliver's Army came after that. You've got to hand it happen. to old Elvis Costello because he's done a lot of different styles of music over the years, hasn't he? he? Was, like In the 80s, he actually became very soulful. Yeah. Like when he did like every day I write the book and I want to be yeah. loved. Yeah. But he was My brother Theo, host of the excellent Life Goals podcast, mm. uh, he is a Elvis Costello fanatic. Right. Fanatic. He's one of those people who just fucking loves Elvis Costello. Like yeah. he's one of those artists that attracts that kind of fandom, isn't he? He is a bit, yeah. And my one of my brothers, Dom. To troll Theo thinks it's hilarious. Still to this day, <laughs> still to this day, he does it right because he thinks because because like Theo's a pretty easygoing guy, but there are certain subjects he won't have a sense of humour about, and one of them is Elvis Costello. <laughs> Stop joking about Elvis Costello. <laughs> and this it's is a serious how... subject, a serious man. <laughs> you know, some universities are thinking of starting a degree course just about his lyrics. <laughs> Right, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say the rest of us brothers hate Elvis Costello, but I do think that we use mocking Elvis Costello as an effective tool against Theo, well, who's it's the easy, oldest. Isn't it? Yeah, 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 and, works, and he's the oldest, it. so it's like you know, this is his, his Achilles' heel. And I respect Dom's joke because Dom's joke is the most long-standing Elvis Costello joke, and it's simply, right. very simply. To yeah. always, always refer to Elvis <laughs> Costello as Elvis Cosquello. <laughs> that it's Elvis Costello. With and a you team. know it is. You know fine well it is. Uh, uh, oh, Elvis Cosquello. <laughs> a great, straightforward, childish joke. They are now both men in their fifties, and the joke lives on. And we'll always live on. Wonderful stuff. Mm. Uh, his recent stuff, he, he put something out last month, a song called Newspaper Plane, which is really good. Mm. I've not heard much that he's done in recent years. I used to be Theo always likes the stuff. new stuff as well. Right. That's how much of a fan he, he is. Even if it's impenetrable. It, even if it's awful, yeah. Underwhelming like, and badly If reviewed. you ask him, what, what was the best album of the year? And by the way, he's, he does his own music radio show. He does, yeah. Right, he knows music well. Right, mm-hmm. he's and he has a broad spectrum of taste, and yet if you ask him, what's the best album of the year? And he'll know loads more albums than I do that have come out in any given year because he stays up with it, right? <laughs> he'll definitely say, I don't even know if Elvis Costello announced out this year, but he probably does. He's always fucking releasing them. 
without fail, Theo will always go, uh, I think it's definitely Elvis's album. And that's another <laughs> thing he does. He'll always refer to him as Elvis as if that's that's the Elvis. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you mean yeah. Elvis Presley? Obviously, I don't mean him. I mean Elvis Costello. Oh, you mean Elvis Costello? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I think you'll find that Elvis Presley was only musically active for 22 years, whereas Elvis <laughs> Costello has been going for 43 years. So he spanned several different genres I think it's, and uh, eras. He is self-producing, self-writing. He's produced for a number of other artists. Self-regenerating. <laughs> He's a true artist in the tradition of Mozart or Beethoven. Yeah, I like that one. Pump it up. Is he talking about doing the it first in that song? One. He's All of his songs don't make any sense. He's self-cleaning like a vagina. I'd <laughs> like your hair. You know, if you don't clean your hair after a week, it cleans itself. Well, that's like Elvis <laughs> Costello, isn't it? <laughs> he has got an old mouth called Hey Clockface. Hey Clockface? Uh, hey Clockface! Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call it Hey Clockface. That'll, that'll test the so concept. We've the got love to the stage now where I've got that many fucking committed fans. They'll buy any shit. I mean, I could call this album Here You Go, Cunts, and they'll still fucking buy it in their droves and write on their shitty internet boards it's the best album of the year. I'll call and it's just it me farting into a microphone for half hour. <laughs> and I'll bet you a tenner that Theo Delaney calls it the album of the year on his radio uh, show. I'm uh, I'm getting involved in... Uh, my next album's going to be fucking an umper album. It's all umper music. <laughs> Why? Just to fucking prove a point, to be Just honest. Yeah, why not? Elvis Costello's umper so, phase. Yeah, this this week this week's chart is the first ever appearance in a chart of Elvis Costello, so that's notable, I suppose, isn't it? And he's yeah. uh, he's one place above Belfast by Borne M, and three places above the theme from Happy Days, so he's already off to a flyer. You know what I mean? Elvis, <laughs> hi, it's Charles at the record company. I've got some great news. <laughs> You're three places off the Happy Days theme. <laughs> We've got them in our sights. <laughs> Just like we always hoped. I mean, we thought it was an impossible dream, but I tell you what, it looks like it's coming true. You're above the Happy Days theme, you're above darts, and you're even above the jam. We can't fail now, Elvis. Am I, well, have I beaten um, From New York to LA by Patsy Gallant? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> no. Not. That's the bad news. She's two Maybe places above me, but... That could be an anomaly in the counting at some of the shops. <laughs> Fucking hell! That's slack, Patsy Gallant. That's criminal that she's coming above me. <laughs> that's shite, that song. It's symbolic, Sam. Look, Elvis Costello in at 33. First ever week on the chart ever watching The Detectives, right? Down 11 places at number 30. We're down by Elvis Presley. Elvis has last what? ever number one. Well, no, he's not last number one single because uh, a little so less conversation. The, it's the moment. It's like the, the the passing of the baton from it one is, Elvis to the next. This was the, the the single that was released after Elvis's death in August '77. That's why it got a number one because everyone was fucking nuts for Elvis again. Um, yeah, it, it it was released before Elvis's death. It was number forty-six in its first week. Then it was number 42. Then the cunt died and it went up to number four. 
just mm. like when John Lennon died and everybody went out and bought Just Like Starting Over, which was plummeting down the charts. Oh, he's dead! I must go out and buy the latest thing by him! Yeah, that's something to bring him back to life, you silly cunts. Exactly. If you bought no, it a bit it. earlier, maybe he wouldn't be dead. Yeah, he wouldn't have taken so many painkillers and eaten so many burgers sat on the yeah. fucking bog. Jalapeño. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Jalapeño. They did the same with um, Diana, Queen of Hearts, didn't they? Yeah. With Candle in the Wind. Yeah. If, if, if they bought that when it came out the first time, she might not have got in that car. Yeah. It doesn't work, does it? No. No, because it wasn't even about her the first well, time. She never even sang it. Fucking, that's what no. the big rip-off about that whole candle in the wind thing was. Fucking Elton John. He's like, hey, buddy, it's me. El, listen, I've got a... Fu- Have you seen the news? Yeah. Diana, dead. Right. Anyway, We've got a job anyway. on. It's more, got- it's more about you than me, though. <laughs> listen, right? I've had a fucking cracking idea to cash in on this. <laughs> right. I'll put the call in. <laughs> to the palace or whoever, right? Maybe her brother. And you, you get rewriting it to be about Diana and not fucking Marilyn Monroe, yeah? <laughs> well, just do it dead quick. Because I mean, gonna... essentially, it's the same. Dead blondes, isn't it? So yeah. you won't have to change that <laughs> That's much. how I thought of the idea. It's either that. I was thinking, we've got to rewrite one of the classics. So I'm thinking, Saturday night's all right for fighting. Couldn't think of any way of engineering that. Saturday night's all right for driving. Maybe not. That's a good. close to the boat. Crocodile Rock. No, couldn't work that one out. Sacrifice. Um, There's some theories going around, but no, maybe not. <laughs> Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Now, that does work because she died going through a tunnel in Paris. Yeah. So there's yeah. something we can rework there. Uh, maybe Joe go breaking my neck. I could get uh, Kiki <laughs> D back in again, do that with her. She could be Diana from Beyond the Grave. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's why they call it the bl- Tiny Dancer. No. Anyway, listen. <laughs> you fucking, you're the wordsmith. You get thinking. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play it dead vague with them. I'm going to say, we've got a song. It's already ready. 
I won't tell them what one, because that way we can make our minds up later. I'll get the deal done. And what I'm thinking is, we can give half the f- funds, the proceeds, to one of them fucking daft lineman charities she was hooked up with, and we'll keep the other half and spend it on a slap-up feed. <laughs> That's what they did every time they had a hit yeah. single. Oh, yeah. we've topped the charts again, Bernie. We can have another one of our slap-up feeds. Same as usual, is it, Bernie? That's right, El. Big pile of mashed potato with a dozen sausages stuck in it. <laughs> Lovely, same Loads here. Loads of gravy. And, all and there's the some jam roly-poly for afters. Another fucking successful feed. And <laughs> another one of our schemes comes to fruition. <laughs> you could do a series of cartoon strips about the adventures of Elton and Bernie. It, it always ends up with them having a hit single and a slap-up feed. <laughs> yeah. Well, these have done Elton a lot, haven't they? They always do him yeah. like doing scams, but they're not usually yeah. around his songwriting. They're usually just about stealing things. But um, <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, yeah. Anyway, look, we're not doing that. We'll probably get on to doing "Candle in the Wind" on a later Tune Machine episode. Have we not already done uh, it? It's not already in one of the charts we've done. I think we might have um, been. 22, How Deep Should Love. I can't remember we talked about this, and we are going to be talking about the Bee Gees on this... Uh, well, you've already heard it. We've probably no, we've talked a lot about Barry, Barry Gibb on Friday's episode. But yeah. How Deep Is Your Love, I think I said this in the last episode, I, for me, this is one of the greatest all-time ballads. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's magnificent. I love this song so much. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is on the soundtrack to Saturday Night Movie, which is the best soundtrack of all time, one of the best yeah. albums ever. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, you know, it, it's fucking... There's so many good songs on there. It's probably not even the best song on that album, although it might be. But as ballads go, this is the Gibbs at their absolute fucking best. Well, I mean, Saturday Night Fever was a massive selling album as well, but I suspect I wasn't sentient, let's say, at the time. <laughs> but I suspect it wasn't, like, highly regarded by the critics. By the but critics, now, not it's the there time. with ABBA. It's there with mm. ABBA as being up there at the very, very pinnacle of pop music. Quite yeah, right, because the Gibb that, brothers that, were that on fucking is... fire. Because, I mean, they didn't just write their songs on it, they wrote the other ones on it as well. Yeah. They, and then, funnily enough, I, when I was, we'll talk, we've probably already talked about this. In fact, I shouldn't go into it, but when I went into the other songs that they wrote, because after this, the album sold so many, mm. and disco obviously became so... Uh, popular that then it burnt out and everyone went against it and went against them and they became the subject of jokes and stuff in the eighties. So they were like, "Good, yeah. fine, we'll just write a load of hits for everyone else." Yeah, and they were and they were all fucking amazing as well. And they just kept yeah, their heads Barbara down. Yeah, Barbra Diana Ross would fucking knock them out. Dion fucking Warwick. Oh, the yeah, old yeah. cows would get them on yeah. the phone. Yeah, ring them up, tell them we got a song for them. Did they do Ken- uh, Islands in the Stream as well? Yes, Dolly and Kenny. Yeah, yeah. And for Dion Warwick, they did. Why do you have to be a heartbreaker? I can only sing it like Barry well, Gibb, not sounds like Dion like Warwick. Them, she? Yeah, yeah. So um, that's that. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, Virginia Plain. What, mate? Why does it say at number fifteen? Virginia Plain brackets nineteen seventy-seven. Well, Had it been released Plain, before this? Yeah, it came out in seventy-two. Virginia Plain. I don't know why it was out again. Um, oh. That's, I mean, that's weird because songs would get re-released for a reason. So maybe there was a greatest hits album out or something like that, and it was mm. just there for that. Because Space Oddity by Boy in '75 got to number one, um, and it came out originally in '69. And I 
can't remember why it got re-released in 75. Again, might have been a greatest hits album, but fuck knows. Just as a reflection uh, of just how diverse this chart is, just above Virginia Plain and below Needles and Pins by Smokey mm. is No More Heroes by Stranglers. What a cracking mm. tune. Uh, yeah. That was ripped off by Elastica for another a really good song. Um but um, yeah, great song that. I love that yeah. song. I like I, I like mean, Alaska. They were a good band, weren't they? Yeah. Um, but they yeah. they ripped off the the guitar riff from No More Heroes. But fair play to them. I mean, I quite get, like Elastica's know, second album, which was which was let's say it was difficult in its conception because right. they were all off their faces and it took them about four years to make. They it. got into heroin, but didn't they? I like it. It's got Marky e. Smith on it. I think at some point. Which is no bad thing, is it? But we've got at number sixteen. We've got "I Remember Elvis Presley" by Danny Mirror. He hasn't fucking hung about, has he? He's fucking. Given, given that Elvis died on the sixteenth of August, the uh, cult's body's still warm. Yeah, this single hit the charts. He hasn't on even the digested his last squirrel. This this single hit the charts on the seventeenth of September. So Presley was a month dead. And Danny Murrah, whoever the fuck he is, has gone into the studio, written a song, recorded it, knocked it out, pressed them up, got them in the shops, and he got a number four with it. I remember, I was, I've got no recollection it's me, of Danny it. It's me, Danny Murrah. I've got yeah. an idea. Now I need some studio time, like today. Pronto! <laughs> when do you need it? Fucking yesterday, mate. I'll take downtime overnight, I don't mind. The song is ready. I wrote it in half an hour. we got to get it out. We've got to make some fucking money and then we can have a slap up feed. Uh, Tom Robinson at number eight. Two, four, six, eight. Never too late. Uh, yeah. I like. I still like listening to him on Six Music. He comes on yeah. in the evenings and the weekends. He's yeah, got. He's I think good. he's got a lovely broadcasting way about him. Mm-hmm. Likeable sort of character. I think. What he kind invented- of music was this? What genre did they fit into, mate? Because it wasn't really punk, was it? It was kind of new wave, wasn't it? Right. It was. It was sort of like. It was in the slipstream of punk, but it was kind of a bit pub rock, but also it was the, the beginnings yeah. of New Wave, I think. Punk was fucking dead, really, by about November 77, if you're a punk purist. Yeah. Punk really died once The Damned released a single. It was over <laughs> then. I um, it, 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 it spread I love out into the, watching it those spread documentaries. It into the provinces in 77, yeah. and it was ridiculous. Oh, all right, Tony Parsons. <laughs> the thing about punk was... <laughs> Fuck yeah, I got sick of all those punk documentaries about what yeah. I mean they were about 10, 20 years ago now. But we talked about yeah. this, it's like the way now you're getting all the rave ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. like, fucking hell, turn it in, will ya? Britain was at its lowest point. Bodies yeah. were piled up in the street because yeah, of strikes. Yeah, the fucking stock footage of the so called winter <laughs> of discontent. To understand <laughs> where punk 79. came from. Tony Parsons, author. To understand where punk came from, you really got to understand where Britain was in the 70s. I mean, it weren't an happy place to be. As a, <laughs> as a young person, there weren't much hope. There was nothing going on. You were hanging around in the streets. All the youth clubs were closed down. It was awful. I, mean, a lot I didn't of have us, any they friends. Called us, they called us lamp, lamppost lickers because a lot of us just, you know, we'd just go out and you'd tell your mum you were going out to play pinball, but you weren't because there weren't any pinball machines left, so you just have to lick lampposts all night. <laughs> and that's, you know, and then slowly this thing came over from New York and we called it punk. <laughs> Fucking hell. And the rest is history. 
Uh, Janet Street Porter, she shows up, doesn't she? Yeah. I saw a documentary once about punk, but from... It was like one of the first TV things about it, and of course it was Street Porter, right, who did it. And it was on, I don't know what what, some LWT programme, and she goes, this is punk. Punk is a new type of music that young people like. It's very noisy and scruffy, right, all this sort of stuff. And she said, I went along to see what all the fuss was about, right? And she goes to this punk gig, right? And she, but she's That's like... That's such a cliched line, that, isn't it? Yeah. I went along to see what all yeah. the fuss is about. I decided I wanted to know more. So I went to the 100 Club in London for a concert, a punk music concert, right? And uh, she turns up, and what I remember about it is she isn't a punk. And mm. punk seems to be at its very early stage. Or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just TV had just caught up with it. And she's wearing her big sort of trademark spectacles. And all the people in there do look like proper punks. They look like you've got these wondrously dressed young people with yeah. outlandish hairstyles and eyeliner and all the rest of it. And she walks in. And what's brilliant. And, there, and there's a lot of gobbing. She even goes, that. Some of them spit at the at the the audience, spit at the band, and the band spit back, right? <laughs> and uh, you can probably see this documentary somewhere. I wrote it was years ago. I wrote a thing in the Guardian about classic pop documentaries, and I didn't find them myself. They, they, I think Bob Stanley had curated a um, classic music documentary thing at the Barbican, and I had yeah. to go to the Barbican and sit in a little room watching them on my own. Right, yeah. and then writing about what, from the perspective of the modern day, what it was like. And this was one of them. And she wore a T-shirt, a really big T-shirt that was actually looks more like the sort of eighties Catherine Hamnett style thing. Oh, yeah. says she style like T-shirt, yeah. but on it, do you know what it says? She's gone along to her first punk concert, <laughs> right. right? And there's all these people just as real punks. It's really edgy and stuff. Yeah. And do you know what it says on her T-shirt? <laughs> punk. <laughs> it just says punk in massive letters. I, I decided to go undercover and as assimilate myself as a punk. <laughs> it's so funny. Because <laughs> it's like the very opposite, really, aesthetically, of what they're going for. But, yeah. you know, she wasn't to know. But I remember Bob Harris, who, of course, mm. was the old Grey Whistle Test presenter, he went to a punk gig and got attacked by Sid Vicious. Yeah. Poor whispering Bob Harris tried to assimilate himself and got well, threatened. Whilst there, I was attacked by the singer and bassist. Please, Sid, stop, stop hitting me, Sid. Please stop hitting me. That hurts. Ow. Ow. Please stop. <laughs> yeah, I met Johnny Rotten once, right? I've got a great yeah. photo of myself with him that I've shared extensively and still do from time to time on Twitter because mm. I'm proud of it. Uh... And he was really fucking rude, right? Out. <laughs> well, he does, yeah. And that, but, but like, <laughs> I often, th- when I say to people, people sometimes go, do you know what, I met so-and-so, or a friend of a friend met so-and-so, and they said he was like this. And I always go, look, the thing is, right, you can't, like someone said the other day, and they met him at a party and tried to say hello, and he wasn't that interested. And that, uh, it was a real shame to hear that, because I always thought he was probably a nice guy, right? And I go, yeah. well, he probably is a fucking nice guy. You're, what, are you suddenly basing your assessment on a human being's character on what? one fucking third-hand <laughs> anecdote about a fleeting and inconsequential yeah. encounter <laughs> yeah. that someone who's probably lying or exaggerating about it anyway yeah. just to be more interesting than they actually are? And the you person know, might have been having a bad day or on their way to somewhere I, I else. I know, I know, because they're a human just like you or I. 
you know? Yeah. And people do it all of the time. Like, my dad used to tell me stories about, yes, I, I met him once, you know, and I'll tell you the thing about him. Is, let me tell you about him, right? He told me a story once about Bob Monkhouse and also about <laughs> Jimmy Hill. He reckons he met Jimmy Hill once, right? And he's like, let me tell you something about Jimmy Hill. And I won't go into it now, but he tells me a story about Jimmy Hill. And I think, but that's not, you're, you're making out that your one encounter with this man is a reflection of that man's entire character. But that's what people like to do, because they like to inflate mm. the significance of their meaningless yeah, yeah. and very brief to, encounter to with someone famous. The celebrity onto themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And go, this, I learned something profound when I met that person. It was only a brief meeting, but it was a profound meeting that we I, will both um, always remember. I once met Elton John, and he, he invited me to a slap-up feed. And I've always thought ever since, what a wonderful guy he must be. He just, he just heard that day that Don't Go Breaking My Heart with Kiki D had gone to number one. And he had asked for the record company to pay him in luncheon vouchers. <laughs> and he said to me, listen, I've got a bunch of Sausage vouchers. I've got a bunch of sausage vouchers. Now, Kiki D is a vegetarian, so she can't come. She wasn't with, allowed. She was bad. She, she can't come with me and Bernie <laughs> to our favourite... To our favourite cafe. Um, so, do you want to come? And I said, sure. And we ate so many sausages that day. I can't even remember how we, where or we ended up. But let's just say I didn't get home until the uh, the small wee hours of the next day. <laughs> Great, it's at number one. Call out the record company and tell them to send round the luncheon vouchers on a motorbike courier. A fast, fascinating fact about Elton is that Elton and Bernie always have that slap-up feed in the same little cafe in the centre of London that they always have done. I mean, obviously, nowadays, they have it perfectly rebuilt inside a private room in Claridge's. But essentially, <laughs> it's the same cafe as it was. And they get actors <laughs> to come in and play. In the know, end, I had to stop going to that cafe. People were always bothering me because I became too famous. So what I did was I had it dismantled brick by brick and then reassembled on the grounds of my country manor. I and now I can eat my sausages! It. Now I can eat my sausages in peace. But then it seemed a bit too empty, so I had cardboard cutouts of other diners sat at all of the other tables. <laughs> a noise of chitter-chatter pumped in through speakers. <laughs> I'm trying to eat my pop-hit sausages! <laughs> um, what else? Uh, did you get a chance to listen to Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft by the Carpenters? Yeah, I did, it's yeah. Magnificent yeah, it was good. I was impressed by it. Yeah, weird as fuck. Originally written by a group called Klaatu from Canada, who it was rumoured in 1974 were actually the Beatles under an assumed name, coming back. Fucking hell. That's Not interesting. true, of course. Klaatu? Klaatu. K-L-A-A-T-U. Look them mm. up. Well, um, the Beatles dealt a lot in sort of mysterious codes, didn't they? Yeah. All yeah. that, so, you know, Paul's everyone... dead... It, and all the rest thing, of people it. People being desperate, so desperate for the Beatles to come back um, that they just kind of thought, well, we'll just. It's, you know, it's, it reminds me of Star Wars folklore. Like, if you right. go on, on Reddit or something, there's all these theories that are based on Star Wars folklore that people, mm. especially when they announced they were doing the re release, the, the, they were doing the sort of sequel movies, the Disney ones. Yeah. Everyone's like, well, you know what's going to be revealed? It's going to be revealed that Luke, all along, was a Wookiee, and that Chewbacca was his son, and all this stuff. And I'll tell you how I've worked it out. 
right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. people do the same about the Beatles, don't they? I've written a blog piece about this. Go and look. Yes. If you play paperback writer backwards, it's actually <laughs> about Mein Kampf. <laughs> John, L- John Lennon repeatedly sings, I am a Wookiee, I am a Wookiee. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Anything else you want to add before we go? That's about it. Well, just that after shot. last week's discussion of ABBA, as soon as we finished recording, I decided to listen to Name of the Game because I thought, yeah. fuck, that probably is my favourite ABBA song. And I was not disappointed. But then I just went into an ABBA wormhole. And Ooh. last Friday, when we were recording it, I ended up having it on my headphones. And I was in the house on my own, which is rare. Yeah. And I had my headphones on. And it was the middle of the afternoon. And I was dancing around. There's this song Ring Ring by ABBA. Yeah. And I got so into it. I was singing it sort of like I was at football. I suppose because I've been starved to go <laughs> to football. It was like this, Ring Ring! It was fucking great. I just got into this sort of euphoric kind of a state, yeah. driven mad by ABBA music, Ada Lindor, yeah. and just fucking had a good time. And so I would say ABBA is the sort of band who I go, I have maybe one day of ABBA a year. You know, like you get one mm. day of flying ants a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. I'll have ABBA. one ABBA day a year, but I'll never know when it's coming. It just comes and when you least expect it. It was yeah. last Friday, and I would say if you feel yourself feeling a bit abbery after listening to this or last week's episode, just go with it. Listen, listen to that. I even listened to Fernando. Uh, I think you're cheating yourself by just having one day a year. I think. But I think there's so Abba, much to Abba's, listen to, isn't Abba's there? For always. Abba's but there's for so always, much music to listen to. Andy. There is, but you know, spread it out across the year. Don't just do once a year. Right, that's it. Because because uh, well, I've got to go do the school run now, basically. So yeah. fuck this. Um, it's been it's been the 1977 4th of November chart I think we've pretty much wrung it dry really good one one of the best we'll ones be we've done back. we said we were going to do a Christmas chart I've decided we're not going to do a Christmas chart okay so I can't be asked. basically right. we've got enough stuff it's better to do diverse music anyway I suppose yeah yeah so we'll be back in the new year with more of these uh, yeah. on the like I- it or not say. <laughs> thank you very much Goodbye. Thank you, pop pickers. You're so kind. Okay.